Tonight on Huckabee, New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, Liberty activist Lily Todd Williams, hilarious songs and stand up with Paul Aldrich, and the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. Stray Corley at the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Dobry. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you very much. What a great audience we've got here in our theater tonight. And I'm going to tell you, they're in for a treat. We have a wonderful show. And so whether you're watching it on television or you're here in the theater with us, do not even think about getting up and going anywhere because it's going to be fun to sit through every single bit of it. Uh, speaking of sitting through some stuff, this week saw the resignation of Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. Yep. He was ultimately all by himself trying to defend against charges that were brought by 11 different women who revealed alleged behavior that was sleazy, creepy, disgusting, and in some cases, criminal. The women accusing him were mostly women who worked for him at one time or another. His political allies abandoned him and called on him to resign, including his own senior staff, President Biden, Nancy Pelosi, the entire Democrat New York congressional delegation, and a majority of the Democrats in the state assembly. I mean, more than enough in the assembly to successfully impeach him, which they had already started doing. Even then, the political world was quite frankly caught off guard when he abruptly announced his resignation, effective two weeks from the announcement. Now, Frankly, Cuomo is one of the most arrogant political figures of modern times. He vowed he would fight the allegations and he would never resign. To be fair, he was entitled to due process and a presumption of innocence. But those are his legal rights. His decision to get out of office was a political surrender. But it became obvious even to him that he had run out of goodwill and support from his political peers as well as from the voters, heck, even the press. And when a Democrat loses the press in New York, man, you're in trouble, okay? <laughs> but it shouldn't be forgotten that the serious and troubling accusations about his sexual harassment and even assault of various women, that wasn't the only charge that he was facing. For well over a year, he had been under scrutiny for ordering COVID-positive patients from hospitals into nursing homes which infected thousands of nursing home residents who died from what was a very deadly decision. Making matters worse, it appeared that he not only lied about the number of those who died, revealed to be over 15,000, but he had covered up the numbers and underreported them, and then had his staff help conceal the truth from the families, the legislature, and the press. And in the midst of that, he wrote a vanity book about his self-proclaimed superior leadership of the COVID crisis, for which he was apparently paid north of $5 million, money which he pocketed, even though his taxpayer-funded staff helped research and prepare his book. 
So there really were at least three things that pushed him out of his prideful perch. And any one of those three alone would have been grounds for his impeachment or for his resignation. Oh, and did I mention that he got an Emmy? Yeah, for his long and insufferable press conferences during the early months of COVID because he mostly whined that the federal government wasn't doing enough for him, despite the fact that President Trump was sending him a hospital ship that he never used, more ventilators than he asked for are ever needed, and medical supplies by the truckload. A number of years ago, I was the Republican Lieutenant Governor of Arkansas back in 1996. The Democrat governor was forced to resign after being convicted of felonies by an Arkansas jury. I have feelings of real empathy for New York Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, who has less than two weeks to prepare to ascend to the governorship. An abrupt change in leadership is a tumultuous time for a state, and the transition is way more intense than people understand. She's going to have a limited time to assemble a staff, physically move into the office and governor's mansion, meet with the current staff and cabinet members, and discuss with the legislators the path going forward. And we should never celebrate the fall of a political leader, but we should celebrate that when a politician totally betrays the trust of the people, he does step aside so the people can remember that they are the ones with the power, and sometimes they simply have a right to take that power back. Well, as I've discussed the uh, fact of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo resigning this week and hitting the eject button, amid a sexual harassment scandal and nursing home deaths due to recklessness and the calls that kept piling up for him to resign, truth is, Cuomo just ran out of options. He either had to leave or be impeached. My first guest tonight is a member of Congress. She represents New York's 22nd District. She served in the New York Assembly prior to that. She knows Cuomo and his bullying style of governing. She says the reign of King Cuomo is finally over. Please welcome to the show a wonderful friend, a terrific Congresswoman, Claudia Tenney. Wow. You know, Congresswoman, when we originally scheduled you, we did not realize what a timely presence you would bring to this show, <laughs> being from New York and having known Cuomo and worked with him in the assembly there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you did a fantastic job reciting the facts. It's been a long, long, hard road for New Yorkers. Uh, I first got elected in 2010 when, when Cuomo was elected. So uh, I could see firsthand, uh, all the way back in 2014, was the first time I called for his resignation when he created a public corruption commission that got too close to him and his aides, so he shut it down. Huh. And uh, we just, you know, it's been just a real difficult time. We've had a 60% increase in spending. We've had out-migration of over a million people in New York State. We're even losing a congressional seat. So uh, we've had a really hard time in New York, which is why so many New Yorkers and so many of my friends have come to Tennessee, yes. Florida. <laughs> They've uh, left New York because the governing style is just one-party rule with the Democrats. And, and also you see this corrupt style of governing from Governor Cuomo. And uh, we're hoping that the lieutenant governor will take a new course and uh, chart a new road for us in New but York. But this is three in a row for you guys. I mean, this is kind of weird that you just have, you know, a succession of governors who are 
uh, shown the door in the middle of their term. Elliot Spitzer, David Patterson, and uh, Cuomo. You knew all of these people. Yeah. Uh, what I think was so maybe stunning was that Cuomo was riding high not that many months ago. Uh, and the Democrats turned on him in a harsh way. Did that surprise you? Uh no, because if you you just cited a really important fact is that it seems that whenever, in, in, at least in the recent history in New York, the attorney general, Cuomo pushed Spitzer out, and mm. then Cuomo pushed uh, G- Governor Patterson out, and then now we have our attorney general, Letitia James, pushing Cuomo out. So it seems that they are in an unusual position. I argue maybe they shouldn't even be allowed to run for governor because there's an inherent conflict mm. And not that I'm defending Cuomo in any way. I, he, there's so many reasons Cuomo needed to go. Uh, and the finally, you know, this was the tip of the spear. But one of the things you mentioned that I think is critically important is not only were the Democrats on the, on the New York stage, but also nationally were calling for his resignation. The most critical thing is for the first time, the Albany press corps, who I think of as very corrupt, yeah. who give him a back massage, they're like lap dogs, finally <laughs> realize they're supposed to be watchdogs yeah. for all of yeah. us. That's their role in the press. They finally stood up and, and, and actually started looking and holding Cuomo accountable. Was that, that had tipping, not happened. Was that the tipping point, you think, when he knew that he didn't even have the, uh, the Capitol Press Corps with him anymore? I think that was a big part of me. If you just see the way the pre- Capitol Press Corps, you know, his and also his key aide uh, resigned, I knew it was going to happen as soon, as soon as they started the impeachment proceedings. And in New York, you know, you only need 76 votes to get on the floor of the state yeah. assembly. So they had more than 76 votes for the impeachment. This past week, 19 Republicans joined in what I've just scratched in my head. They called it an infrastructure bill. I'm all for infrastructure, but Congresswoman, I look at that bill, there's a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with infrastructure. What's gonna happen when that gets to the House? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I, unfortunately we are in the minority and we have a slim majority, but if you notice how Nancy Pelosi uh, our speaker operates, it doesn't matter if you have a 70-person majority or a three- or four-person majority. She looks a lot like Governor Cuomo to me. She's <laughs> all about abusing power. I mean, you would think they would want to compromise, and I'm concerned that the Republicans are giving the Democrats a veneer of bipartisanship in the Senate for getting this thing passed. Yeah. This bill is terrible, and I'm, I'm a business owner. That's how I got into politics later yeah. in life. I got tired of politicians telling me, oh, we're going to lower your taxes, we're going to take care of you, and then I'd, they'd go to Albany and it'd my taxes would go up, the regulations were, and I'm a business owner. We have a small business. This is our 75th year. And so that was the reason I got involved in politics. I just couldn't take it anymore. And now I go to Washington, and we're looking at deficits. I mean, we're going to see the massive deficit. And one thing interesting, if you look at the infrastructure bill, only 10% actually goes to what we think of as, as infrastructure, roads and bridges. Yeah. Only 10%. And then the spending, when you add in their, their budget... It's four times or nearly four times larger than the New Deal, Roosevelt's New Deal. I'm not talking about AOC's Green New Deal, right. which is a big part of it. But the, the new spending is going to be bigger, and that accounts for inflation. So we're seeing a real you know, takeaway of our, our rights, our freedoms. We're, gonna, we're seeing an authoritarian type of regime coming in where we're not going to have any rights as, as citizens, and we're going to be overtaxed, and we're going to start looking like old Europe. Gas is up, groceries are up, Americans are facing inflation. Are you optimistic that in 2022, Americans are going to wake up and realize, hey, these Democrats did this to us. They overspent, uh, overborrowed, and all of us are in trouble. Will we see a return of the House to Republican control and maybe bring, I hope, some common sense back to the governing? 
I think we have a really good shot, yeah. but it's not guaranteed because we have an issue in this country with election integrity. Mm. And that's going to be the issue. Yes. You. And you know that because your election was contested for over a hundred days. Uh, I hope your message gets out there. Claudia Tenney, what a joy to have you here. It is Thank a real so pleasure. Please come back. And Thank you. We don't Thank have you. to wait for some crisis in New York <laughs> to bring you back, by Thank the way. Thank you so much. But Thank what you. a week to be a New Yorker. Now, for our audience, I know you're going to want to keep up with the Congresswoman, and you can on Twitter, at Claudia Tenney. It's on your screen, or at Rep Tenney. And we're so happy to have her here. Keith Bilbrey, he's scandal-free, which I find hard to believe, but best we can tell, he is. But he's still around. He has not been impeached yet, so he's going to tell you what we have coming up next. Well, coming up, Huck's hero, Peter Mutavazi, and still to come, the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. You're watching Huckabee. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, my next guest started life as an abused homeless runaway living in the streets of Uganda. But his life turned around thanks to the kindness of strangers. He's now determined to return that kindness by letting every child know that they are valued, loved, and seen. And that's why he's this week's Huck's Hero. Hi, my name is Anthony, and this is my dad, Peter, and we both have something very important to tell you. Absolutely. As a kid, I grew up in a home where I never had words of of affirmation. Grew up in a home where no one told me anything good about me or that I mattered. And as a street kid, it even became worse that I never had one word of affirmation. But someone changed it. Someone came to my life and began using words of affirmation and they changed my life forever. And so I decided that once I became a foster dad, I was going to do the same. To use the words of affirmation to encourage and uplift my kids. And so I came up with the idea, 12 words of words of affirmation. And I wrote them on the bandana, but also came up with another idea that we created a plushie that has those 12 words that we can share with our family, but also that we would like to share uh, with all the kids all over the world. These words of affirmation would be very helpful to our society today because there are kids out there who maybe feel that they aren't loved, that they aren't cared for, and these can help them realize they are brave, that they are loved for, and that they are cared for. We want every child to be high sin using our 12 words of affirmation. Thank you. Thank you. Please welcome the founder of Now I Am Known, Peter Mutabazi. Peter, it is a great honor to have you here. What a great story. Thank you. So you live on the streets of Uganda. Your father is abusive. But something happened in your life that turned things around. People said words of kindness to you. What was, what was that moment when you realized, you know, I'm a, I'm a person that matters? 
Well, you know, as a street kid, I had, uh, I was garbage, that I would never mount to anything. At home, that's what my dad said, mm. that you're garbage, you'll never mount to anything. So I believed it, you know. Uh, but when this stranger came in and started using words of, you are kind, you are brave, you're special, that really began to make me believe that I could do something, that I was able to do something. And for him to say those words, I was able to go to school, I was able to do and go beyond where I never thought I would go, and also help my family as well because of the words he used that made me truly believe that I could do anything I wanted in life. And you've proven that you could. Now, Peter, you went from Uganda to the United States. How did that journey come about? And was that like the ultimate opportunity for you to begin living a life of, of genuine hope? Well, absolutely. He'd opened opportunities for me. So I got to go to study in England. And that's how I came to the United States. And of course, you know, it's amazing the kindness of one human being on how that can alter the life. And that's what he did for me. And, you know, and I got here and I've been blessed since then. I think it's important for just to stop and realize one person said positive things to you and you went from being a street kid that thought yourself to be garbage to being a person who now runs a charity, a ministry, an organization that helps foster children and gives them that hope. I mean, that shows the power of just simply saying kind things to someone and giving them a smile. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. All right, tell me about this beautiful and cute little stuffed animal that you've got in front of you. What is that all about? So, Mike, this is a cool thing. So, uh, with my kids come from hard places, you know, and I wanted to do what that man had done for me, to use words of affirmation, yeah. your love, your special, to my foster kids. You know, so I started doing so. And then we get a dog. I thought, <laughs> how can I really help them? When I can't say them, when can I remind them that I love them and I care for them? So our dog is called Simba, and it's a golden doodle. So he wears a bandana that even when they are in trauma, when they don't feel like talking to dad, they can read it on that dog. So that's how we came up with this. And I thought, wait a minute. We know not everyone can be a foster dad. We know not everyone can be a dad. But what tools can I give to people to bless kids in the foster care, in the hospital? So for everyone we sell, we give the other uh, to kids in the foster hmm. because it's changed the lives of my kids. And I want others to do the same. As I said, you can be, but you can buy for your, 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 your grandparents and they get to also give to our kids. And it has a special number down here. So this number, only that child will have that number as well. So it's one, and then one goes to someone who needs it. That is a beautiful idea. You've created the initiative called Now I Am Known. And this is uh, something you're continuing to expand and grow. What is the, the ultimate mission that you have? Ultimate? Um, that's a hard question. You know? <laughs> Maybe you give me, if you have a bigger house, you give me a house and I have more kids. That's my goal. <laughs> how, many have, how many foster kids have you dealt with now? So I've had 16 and right now I have four and I've adopted one. You know? wow. So that's really my goal and my prayer that I can do more. That if this can help me. Uh, one, reach out, speak up for them, but also make sure that every child is seen, heard, and known. Uh, and that's my ultimate goal, to truly be an advocate uh, for kids because someone did that for me that I want to do that for, for others, but also give the opportunity for others to do in a simple way. As I said, we can't all be foster parents. It's a calling for sure. Yeah. Know? But we can do one little thing that can really change our life. And so for us, that plushie we give to a child at the hospital or in the foster care is the way to tell them, you matter, 
you're special, you belong, and you're one of us, and you're not forgotten. Peter, what a wonderful message. Your life is a great message. We are very happy to have you as our Huck's hero tonight. And to learn more about Now I Am Known and to find out how you can help its mission of helping children, visit nowiamknown.com. And you can follow Peter on Instagram at fosterdad, and that's Flipper, right? Flipper. Well, I know that Keith is kind of excited to tell you what else we got on the show. No way to hold him back, so I'm going to turn him loose and let him go. You're exactly right. Next, Mike's In Case You Missed It news stories. And later, Lily Tong Williams from Chinese Communist to American Patriot. If you don't have free speech, freedom of thought, freedom to sample, freedom to criticize your government, you are not a free being. More Huckabee is on the way. Welcome back. From super spreader superheroes to an orangutan with great fashion sense, we got the news that other shows refuse to monkey around with on In Case You Missed It. Keith, you remember the story we had uh, not that long ago about a man who set a Guinness World Record by balancing five M&Ms on top I of each other? I remember that. I remember And that. we didn't think that sounded all that impressive until we tried it here. Yeah. Realized it was a little harder than it looked. Well, there's not a lot of call for it, you know. It's... That hadn't been a lot of call for that. <laughs> You're exactly right. Well, we want to say congratulations once again to David Rush. He's been on our show, but he now holds over 200 world records, including... This one that he broke on our show. Let's watch. Yeah, I remember this. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. He balanced a bunch of chairs on yeah. his nose. I mean, I don't know why, but that was a world <laughs> record of some kind. Anyway, he just set a new world record. He balanced 19 drinking glasses on top of each other, which is pretty impressive. But wait, there's more, as they say on TV. He balanced them on a stick that he was holding in his mouth. So we're going to watch oh, him wow. do that. I, I will just say now, we are not going to be trying to do that here. You know why? Why? Because I once saw you try to hold a glass of cherry Kool-Aid in one hand while balancing a plate of barbecue on your lap. Yeah, it was a big decision. And, and it didn't work out very well. It was not pretty. No, it was It was not. And uh, quite frankly, not since Joe Biden's last press conference has there been anything so dangerously <laughs> unbalanced. All right, now I know you all can't stand getting telemarketing calls and robocalls and scam calls from numbers that you don't recognize. All right, well, get this. A woman in Australia got so fed up when one unknown number kept calling and she just refused to answer. She said she figured it was some nuisance people trying to do something naughty, but it just kept ringing until it nearly drove her nuts. She finally picked up the phone to see what they wanted and it was the government trying to tell her that she had won 
a one and a half million dollar lottery jackpot. And it wasn't a scam. It was the not a scam. Thing. It really wow. was the government. And you know, the miracle is that the government was calling to give her money, not take her money. <laughs> There's the miracle right there, there. not to win in the lottery. Well, after this gets out, I'm afraid every scammer is gonna be calling her. But in her defense, the government is filled with nuisance people trying to do uh -huh. something naughty. Yeah. They are. Hey, while we're in Australia, let's stop over in Perth. Or maybe we shouldn't because uh, the rigid COVID rules on border crossings, well, that resulted in a man traveling through Perth who was denied entry. He was taken to a hotel and forced into quarantine for 48 hours. Now, he was so desperate to get out that he tied his bed sheets together to make a rope, and he climbed down the side of the hotel four stories. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I've stayed in hotels like that. Were they that bad yeah, that you, you wanted to get out? Try to, to climb out yeah. the window yeah. to get out. Well, maybe it was just that the hotel TV was stuck on CNN, <laughs> and the man, Whoa. he just escaped into the night. But good luck finding him because everybody is forced to wear a mask there. So finally, a woman from Indonesia was at a zoo with her sunglasses fell off into an orangutan enclosure. She caught some video of this fashionista ape picking them up and trying them on. And by golly, they look pretty good. Who is that behind those Foster Grants? You know, that, that orangutan. <laughs> Very fascinating. He, 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 yes. He kind of looks like a redneck I saw at a <laughs> Leonard Skinner concert one time. Yeah, really. I think so. But, yeah. uh, you know, he doesn't have any tattoos or anything. So no. I'm not sure that he really was the same guy. Well, hey, before we get egged for that joke, I'm going to stop right here. But until next time, always remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Up next, comedian stand-up comedies all and still to come, the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. Stay with Huckabee. Oh, well, I know where you're going. I see where you've been. Don't you know by now you've got to take life on the chin. are having the time of our lives here in the theater, in large part because we're hearing some phenomenal music and a big chunk of it's coming from Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Would you give them a big hand? Yes, sir. We actually have a couple and Trey, of guests. You know what? I'm looking over there. I'm seeing some new faces in the band. Who yeah. have we got over there with you? Every song we are playing tonight, the two guitar players that are here either played on the record, uh, they were part of the band that was going on. That dude right there, Mr. Barry Lee Harwood right there, he actually is the original in Rosington Collins, and he wrote that song that we just did. Don't mind us or stand me in, and he played it, and that's him singing it. And Mr. Jeff Turner back here, our very own Mr. Jeff Turner. So we've had a blast with these two. That's why you gotta be at the show, right? That's exactly you right. You can see everything. Fantastic music here tonight. Well, it is a joy to have this next comedian back on the show with us. You've seen his unique blend of comedy and music on Showtime, at the Improv, and in theaters, comedy clubs, and churches all over the land. Please welcome back the very funny Paul Aldrich.
Thank you very, very much. All right, I got one question for you, Nashville. Are you ready to rock? Yeah. I said, are you ready to rock? Yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Not as ready as you thought, apparently. Hello, nice try. My name is Paul Aldrich. I moved from California to Nashville about 10 years ago, in part to get involved in the uh, songwriting scene here in Nashville because I heard there was a, a lack of songwriters in Nashville. So I'll see you at the Waffle House a little bit later on my job there. So, um, but uh, I, I love holidays and special occasions. But these days, there are so many special you know, days, weeks, months. It, it's impossible to, to fit them all in. Uh, but you know, I think I've come up with the perfect holiday time management solution. Yes, tonight on this very Huckabee stage, I will give an entire calendar year of America's special celebrations in one five-minute medley. Let's start with Valentine's Day. Men start to pray. Oh, God. I need a card. I need a heart. I need a flower. I need some wine. I need a spine. I need a shower. I need a clue. Give me a chance or there'll be no And now a day dedicated to all the presidents whose statues will soon be gone forever. <laughs> Cause now we're offended that these men were presidents. How can old white guys ever represent? So let's blame them for every single mess on presidents. Cancellation day. St. Patrick boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. This holy day, the Irish give you props. You were a saint with virtue like no other. And so they honor you by getting fall down drunk. <laughs> and now Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi join hands to honor America. April Fools. Easter eggs so yummy, gooey peeps and chocolate bunnies, my tummy's feeling funny at the Easter <coughs> buffet. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo. I don't know what that even means. Who cares? Just give me tacos, rice, and beans. I called my dad each Father's Day, so glad to hear his voice. And to hear those same three words that always made my heart rejoice. Three words. Yes, a father knows just what to say to help you make it through. Three words. First, I'd say, Happy Father's Day. Then he'd say, Here's your mother. <laughs> Do you recall the reasons why we celebrate this day? I haven't heard them in a while. But I think we used to say, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. I hope with you that still rings true this Independence Day. I'm a millennial living in the basement. Get a job, no, don't want to leave home. But it's Labor, Labor Day, oh, 
get a job, no, don't want to leave home. It's labor, labor day, labor day, labor day. Oh, I need some cash, Dad. Could I have a loan? Oh, you got to put your hands together. Help me get some. Go. September's here, the time of year we start Oktoberfest. So grab your Stein, it's polka time to do your yodel best like this. chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there when above the roof there rose such a clatter I sprang to my bed to see what was the matter and what to my wondering I should appear but a minute to stay and a tiny reindeer with a little driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick saying dashing now Prancer now Prancer and Dixon on Tomlin on Cuban on Donner and listen up to the porch, up to the wall, dash away, dash away, dash away, uh-huh. And Merry Christmas. I said Merry, Merry Christmas. I said Merry Christmas. Oh, man, I just wish I could jump that high. <laughs> And not splatter all over the stage. It's Great not having the you jumping, back, Paul. It's the landing. It's the, the landing. <laughs> how can people see you? Tell us about how to get in touch and watch your shows. They can go to PaulAldrich.com and get all the information they want and way too much more. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm hoping they'll do it. Hey, to get on Paul's email list, you can get on. But by the way, you never can get off. Uh, <laughs> but you can be alerted to future shows. Visit his website, PaulAldrich.com, on your screen. Follow him on social media. Hey, Keith. We don't want you to sing this. Just tell us what other guests we have coming up after the break. I was all tuned up. Huh? Later on Huckabee, the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. First CC Beat Vector, Lily Tong Williams. Warning for Americans. And I'm just so sad to say we are going after the Chinese style of a terror regime in the whole world. Stay with Huckabee. 
week, Mike's guest, Governor Scott Walker, and country music star, Billy Dean. My next guest survived Mao's cultural revolution and fled communist China back in 1988. She became a naturalized American citizen. And she's here tonight with a sobering warning for America. Don't think it can happen here. Please welcome to the show an amazing lady, Lily Tong Williams. Lily, welcome. Good to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me here. You saw in Mao's Cultural Revolution things that when you look at what's happening in America, do you see some familiar things? A lot of similarities. That's why I, I'm just terrified. And I said, well, I got to come out to tell my stories. I don't want to relive. China, I don't want to relive another cultural revolution. I was a little girl when my memory started, about four or five years old. It was a horrible sight when I witnessed a man jump into a 20 feet deep community well. Years later, I was told he committed suicide because he could not handle the tremendous pressure and the torture, public shaming, from the struggle sessions where Mao divided people into oppressor versus oppressed group. Sounds familiar yeah, today. <laughs> it does, and it's frightening, Lily. What were some of the things that you felt were happening in that entire cultural revolution in communist China that you now look around in the United States and you see those things happening here? What, what are those kind of things? Well, I feel it is a very, very un similar to always, always divide people. So Mao divided not just oppressor versus oppressed, but he put five black classes under the oppressor group and the five red classes under the oppressed groups. So you got 10 classes of Chinese. Well, we're Chinese, speak same language, want to live in peace, but he wanted you to fight each other, hate each other, and indoctrinate our children to turn on, on their neighbors, their teachers, their professors, and their family members. So that's just a horrible thing to think about against the humanity. What are ways that the government in China began to just clamp down on people's freedom if they ever had any? See, lots of young people don't know when they kind of glorify socialism and communism in this country. Today's China, they call the second largest economy in the world. You have one party dictatorship. You have all the governors, mayors, all the court judges, and everybody is not elected by people. That's why if there's some bad things happening, nobody cares because they're appointed by the boss upline but are not elected by people in your local communities. They don't care. They will cover up because they might get fired if some bad news happens. You see covert cover-up. You see the last time, most recently, the June, July, the flooding cover-up. The numbers were always, always very, very small. It's always good news, and they don't talk about what normal people's sufferings are every day. And then our media, many media sometimes repeat their official numbers. They never ask CCP, what are your real number last year from the COVID, from the deaths? And, and now it's like lockdown anytime, push you to get a vaccine, push you to wear a mask, and push you to stay home, lock your community gates, burn. 
you know, with the soldiers and the guards. And I'm just so sad to say we are going after the Chinese-style authoritarian regime in the whole world, not just the United States now. It's like Australia, Europe. How about the human beings' dignities? How about our privacy? How about our freedom? Are we supposed to still have constitutional rights given to us by God, our creator, not by any government? That is so powerful a message Americans need to hear. You escaped those things in China, and now you see people celebrating it and trying to sell it to the next generation. Do people start saying, well, maybe I ought to listen to Lily? Do they, do they listen? I have been going to schools, middle school, high school, and colleges to teach people about horrors of communism, horrors of cultural revolution. Our kids in America, they've like never heard of a real true stories. When I tell them my personal stories, like I cannot wear this beautiful dress because it was banned, they were like, what, really? You have to have a dress code? I mean, do you like my dress? I can't wear everything. <laughs> It was banned because Mao used cultural revolution to say, get rid of four olds. Old culture, ideas, habits, and customs. Then the red guards used by him go door to door to burn, to loot, to rob. So everybody have to burn or hide their stuff. They cannot have this. It's kind of very scary to see similar things happening here. They, they can't take lawlessness. Real quickly, Lily, does it disturb you when you see American businesses and big multinational corporations just basically surrendering to the Chinese Communist Party and their government? So I truly believe that, uh, you know, I understand business people, they want to focus on profit making, but they got to understand that the billionaires, private company billionaires, they don't have a political freedom to criticize government. Look at Jack Ma, Alibaba CEO, forced to retire, sell his company, paying fine, cannot even list in Hong Kong or in the United States. No matter how much money you have in the world, if you don't have free speech, freedom of thought, freedom to assemble, freedom to criticize your government, you are not a free, being, free human mm. being. That is so very true. It's why we're so happy to have you here. Lily Tong Williams, thank you so much for being here tonight and sharing that story. Now, for our audience, I know you're going to want to know more about Lily and her story. To keep up with her, just search for her by name on YouTube and follow at Lily for Liberty on Twitter and Facebook. You will be mesmerized by the stories that she has from her experience. Keith, I'm going to let you tell us what we have next. Well, up next, the fabulous Equinox Orchestra on Huckabee. Welcome back. You know, I'm not sure if you caught this, but someone in the audience screamed out a little minute, a few minutes ago, Freebird! And that's why we came back in with Freebird by Leonard Skinner. It happens. So cool. Speaking of cool, 
Jeremy Davis and Clay Johnson founded the fabulous Equinox Orchestra uh, somewhere along the Louisiana-Mississippi Delta. Their love of jazz, swing, and big band sounds, well, it's thrilled audiences all over America for the past 25 years. During the COVID shutdowns, these guys recorded not one, but three brand new albums. I want you to welcome to the show the fabulous Equinox Orchestra founders, Jeremy Davis and Clay Johnson. Yeah, thank you. Excited to have you guys so here. So happy to be here. You know, that shutdown of a year turned out to be pretty good. Three albums in a year. It was a positive note. That was one of the one of the bright one spots. of the positives. Yes. What kind of music are people going to enjoy when they get? to the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. We always like to say that we use the big band as the luxurious musical vehicle of choice. We mm. play everything from Elvis to Ray Charles to Johnny Cash and original music and uh, of course the Sinatra stuff from the 50s and 80s pop songs. We do a little bit of everything. Right, we, we got our start in uh, a, as a big band playing these kind of big Dean Martin Sinatra type of songs. Yeah. But, we're from North Louisiana, so uh, we, we kind of went back to what we know and what we know. Like, <laughs> you, you didn't grow up that far from me, brother. Yeah, I, I know exactly where you come from. But, you know, I love this style of music that we don't hear hardly ever anymore. And it's so powerful. You know what I find interesting? Young people love big band when they hear it. It's like this new thing for them. Oh, yeah, they dig it. It's but so it's extravagant. It's crazy. You know, having that many instruments, that many musical voices, those beautiful harmonies, it's unique and special. You're right. You guys grew up together. You were kids playing together. So, I mean, this is something you've done most of your life. For a long time. Uh, the story we tell that our mothers will deny to their grave <laughs> is that uh, when we were in seventh grade at, in West Monroe Junior High, uh, we had every class together, and that's the truth. Huh. And uh, our moms discovered that on the night of open house. They went to all the classes and realized they were in every class together, and they said, hey, our boys have to be friends. And so they forced this friendship upon us. It was uh, a bit of an arranged friendship, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been, we've been stuck together ever since. We did junior high, high school. We started our first bands together. We were college roommates. Right. We met our wives at the same time. We got married two weeks apart. Wow. Uh, and then we ended up moving on the very day of Hurricane Katrina, relocating to lovely Savannah, Georgia. So that's, that's kind of our story. I want you guys to come back uh, because I know when we hear your music, we're going to want to hear a whole lot more of it. People are going to love the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. I guarantee it. I like it. And I do want our audience to get connected to you guys in the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. And in order to make sure that happens, we're going to turn it over to Keith Bilbrey, who has a really good knack for telling the people at home how to get the music. For their music and concert schedules, go to equinoxcrew.com. Be sure to look at the spelling of that one on your screen. Now, after the show, go to Huckabee.tv to hear a bonus song by the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. Now, here to perform Outcast Anthem is the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. I don't run with the crowd. Just call me an outcast. I turn off the news cause it's just too loud And I think like an outcast Everywhere on Judging people still they Kick me out, but I don't care My words are always hated My life is underrated 
But this can't be overstated Just call me an outcast Put your foot in the other shoe And live like an outcast Call us names And fan the flames Oh, just come along and sing our song We won't think like the mainstream tell us For my money they're overzealous I'm not trying to make you jealous Just trying to set you free Hey, come on baby, come on Play that thing now Stand strong when we're together 